reading from Ephesians. The reading today is from Ephesians 2, verse 14 to 22. That's on page 1109 of your Green Bibles. Ephesians 2, verse 14 to 22. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Alice. Good morning. Um, So this morning I'm going to be talking on the title of um, the church as God's holy temple, his dwelling place. Um, A couple of weeks ago, Ed and I started flat hunting, and I've been so excited about this process. Um, As soon as we realized that we were going to be going to HTB, we realized that there was the opportunity to buy a flat. And I wouldn't let myself look at any of the estate agents' websites before Christmas, because I knew that I would see a flat I loved and then want to buy it then and there, which would have been way too early. So two weeks ago, I realized the hunt could begin. And everyone said to me, house hunting is really stressful. And I thought to myself, I just don't understand how it could be stressful. To me, it's the most exciting thing you could do. Well, I've realized I am the worst person to go house hunting. We first found this amazing flat and thought, this is the one. And we put an offer in a couple of weeks ago and had it accepted. So I immediately started designing the whole flat. The next day, we were gazumped. We were gutted. But we weren't put off. We then carried on looking and found another flat. The problem was, was this flat was with a different agent. And I felt that we'd really become best buds with the other agent who'd helped us with the first flat. So I said to Ed, we can't possibly put an offer on this other flat without making sure that we've rung James, this other estate agent, and just told him the situation. But there's no way that I can ring James, because if I do, I know I'll find myself putting an offer in on another flat just to make him happy. So currently we found another flat, and we're hoping that we won't be gazumped. Home is such an important thing. The home that we have is our space. It reflects the people that we are. 
We all long for the home that most fits us, that we can bring people into. So far, this term, Tim has talked about the church as being the people of God, the bride of Christ that is loved and cherished. And today, I want to talk about the church as being the place where God lives, God's home on this earth, the temple in which he resides. In this passage, Paul is talking about this new temple. And what he's referring to is that this temple, this people of God, has come and replaced the Jewish temple that we read about in the Old Testament. So I want to look at the Jewish temple and look at the ideas that come from that, that help us to understand what it means for us as the church to be the temple in which God lives. So we're just going to have a couple of slides of the Jewish temple. Obviously, this isn't the the one that existed during the Old Testament, or one of the two. Um, But this is an idea of what it would have looked like. Um, And there's, there's another one as well. And it gives you the idea of how imposing this building would have been, how magnificent it would have been. God called Solomon to build this first temple, saying that it would be a house for God's name, that he would dwell in it. And people would have got the idea as they went up to the temple of how incredible this God was that the Israelites followed. Yet what Paul is saying is that this is no longer the temple in which God dwells. This is no longer to be the center of the Israelites, of the Jews' faith. So I'm going to look at three aspects of the temple. The first one is that the temple is the place where God dwells. When Solomon finishes building the first temple, God's presence comes and fills it. It says in 1 Kings, When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled his temple. It's an incredible idea that this building, built by a mere man, built of stone, was then filled with the glory of the Lord. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have sensed what it was like. But Paul is saying that actually now God has come. He has left that temple and come to dwell in us as the people of God, as his new temple. In Ephesians, the passage that was read in verse 22, says, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I'm just going to show you a quick advertisement um, on the, um, yeah, here which I think quite easily demonstrates what I'm talking about.
Yeah, ignore the Halifax bit. Um, th that, that is what we are. We are no longer a temple built out of stone. We're no longer a building like this church building in which God lives. But the building in which God lives is made up of each one of us, the people of God. It's quite a hard concept to grasp. Imagine if one day you're at home and the telephone rings and on the other end of the line is the queen. And the queen says to you, I'm thinking of moving out of Buckingham Palace and was wondering if I could come and live in your two up, two down. Apart from probably thinking it was a prank and not the queen on the phone, you would be slightly daunted by the prospect the queen, royalty, coming and living in your house. The queen wanting to leave Buckingham Palace to come and live in your house. Well, imagine God saying, I'm going to leave this magnificent building in which I have dwelt on earth. And I'm going to come and live in you. We're messy people. We're not perfect we probably wouldn't be great hosts. Yet God chooses us. And when we think of the church as being this temple in which God dwells, suddenly our idea of church is completely changed. If you knew that the queen was living in your house, you would probably treat your house very differently. So that's the first point, that the temple, we as the new temple, are the place in which God dwells. The second point is that the temple is a holy place. This temple um, in, in the, Israelite, the Israelites' temple was made up in lots of different sections. The first section was the outer court in which even the Gentiles were allowed to go into. And then slowly, as you get further into the center of the temple, it became more and more segregated. It came to the point where only men were allowed and not women. And then finally, right in the center of the temple, comes the inner sanctuary. And this was the most holy place. I don't know if there's a, there. That's just an idea of what it would have looked like. And I'm just going to read a description of it as you look at that picture. Solomon prepared the inner sanctuary within the temple to set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. He overlaid the inside with pure gold and extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which were overlaid with gold. This was the most precious place in the Jewish temple. It was thought to be so holy that only the high priest was allowed in there. And even then, he was only allowed in there once a year. This was where God dwelt. It was known as the Holy of Holies. The term holy means set apart, pure, untainted. So if I were to ask you, where in this new temple, in this people of God, in our church, is the most holy place? I wonder what you would answer. Thankfully, you wouldn't have to because Paul tells us. In verse 21, he says, In him the whole building 
is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. It's all of us. All of us. Every person that you saw forming that building in the advertisement. Each one is holy. The whole building is holy. I don't know what comes to mind when you think of the word holy, but I think of probably two things. I think of God, because I know that he is definitely holy. And then I think of church leaders, perhaps, perhaps bishops. So I think they're probably quite holy. I definitely don't think of myself as holy. And you know what? I probably would struggle to think of the church as holy. The church seems a bit messy. It doesn't seem to quite be able to get things right. The press certainly don't think that the church gets things right. But through the lens of Christ, God sees the church as holy. The church isn't something that we're just stuck with. It's not something we've got to make do with. But it is God's chosen body to be holy, to reflect the very holiness of God. And this aspect of understanding the church is fundamental. If we view the church as flawed, then we will never treat the church, present the church, or live as the church should be. We will present a flawed church to people instead of presenting the holy church. If we present a holy church, then we will be reflecting what God intended people to see when they looked at the church. But if we start out with this premise that the church is flawed fundamentally, then we'll never achieve what God intended. We need to remember that it's always through the lens of Christ that God looks at his church. He sees past the mess and sees the holiness that he has created in it. We just said in the creed that we believe in the holy Catholic church. So it's so important that we then live as though we see the church as holy, as precious, as chosen by God. So that's the second point, that the temple, the people of God, the church, is a holy place. My third point is that the, the temple is a place where people come to seek God. In the Old Testament, the temple is the center of all activity, culturally, socially, religiously. People would have gone on pilgrimages just to go to the temple to seek God. The temple was thought to reflect who God was. He was glorious. He was magnificent. He was holy. But there's no longer a material building, a specific material building that you can say, That's, that reflects God. We are now that building. We are now the reflection of who God is. When I was at school, and I was sort of probably about 11 or 12 years old. I was at a day school, and school would end at about 4 o'clock, and it was right in the center of town. So we used to often then go out and um, go around in town. And we'd still be in our school uniforms. And I used to get so cross with the teachers, because they used to say to us, 
when you go out, you must make sure you tuck your shirt in and you look smart. And I think that's just unfair. School's finished. You don't have any ownership of me past four o'clock. But now, when I see school children wandering around, perhaps not behaving very well or looking a bit scruffy, or I make a judgment on the school that they go to. I'm sure that many of you have had to choose where your children will go to school. But if you just went round the school buildings and never met the pupils, you would probably struggle to get an idea of what that school was like. The best way to get the idea of what a school is like is to meet the pupils. And in that sense, the students are a reflection of the school they go to. They are the school's representatives, the school's ambassadors. And that is what we are for God. We are God's representatives here on earth. We are God's ambassadors. We are the ones that reflect God. So wherever we go as church, whether we meet in this building, whether we go and meet for the evening service in the kitchen, whether we go into people's homes and do a rags project, whether we go into the pubs to sing hymns, we go reflecting God. We go as God's representatives. We are God's chosen way of revealing himself. This is an amazing privilege. But you're probably thinking right now, that's a huge responsibility. It would be so much easier to be able to say, oh, you're looking for God. Yeah, sure, building, just go down that road and turn left, and you will find a building that reflects God, and then you'll know all you need to know. But that's not God's chosen way of revealing himself. His chosen way is us, the community. So then this challenges the way that we live as the church the way that we love one another, the way that we look after our children, the way that we worship God. We can no longer say, oh, you want to know more about God? Yeah, go and speak to the vicar, or oh, go and listen to this sermon, or yes, the worship leader, he will lead you. But all those things are great. But most people will be struck by who God is through the way that we live as a body. 2 Corinthians 18 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul doesn't leave any room for people to be excluded. You might be sitting there thinking, but I don't reflect God. My relationships don't reflect God. But the brilliant thing is, is that it's not us that has to strive to reflect God. By having a relationship with God, he has chosen for us to reflect him. By living with God, by living in relationship with him and with each other, we will, as Paul says in Corinthians, reflect his glory more and more. All we need to do is realize that God's chosen us and therefore be willing. 
So that's the third point, that the temple, we as the church, are the place where people will come and see God. Tim's going to elaborate on this a bit more next week. But these three aspects, I think, are fundamental building blocks to us understanding how God actually intended the church to be. It's so easy to think negatively about the church, to think about what's wrong with it. But if we can embrace these three ideas, that God lives in us, that he has made us holy, and that we reflect him, then people will see a church that reflects God. And they will want to be a part of that church. So I'm just going to finish with a prayer. Lord, it seems like a huge challenge that you have chosen us to be those that show who you are to the world. But Lord, I thank you that it is through your spirit that this is done. And I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to understand that little bit more about what it is to be your holy temple where you live. And that you would help us to go out and live as you intended us to live as the church. In your name, Lord. Amen. Great. Let's just continue in an attitude of prayer. We've got a few moments before we...